This is the Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world, from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as the Beat Generation. Welcome to the Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Productions, Townsville's Triple TFM and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. The show got its name from the 50s writers and inspired so many musicians and each week we'll take a look into music and artists throughout the years that have changed the face of the musical landscape. A full song listing can be found at our Facebook page forward slash music that changed the world. And a podcast of this show and past episodes can be found on Apple and Spotify along with some of our other shows, including The Bad Boys and Secret Men's Business. Check out our shows, and if you like what you hear, then please leave a review. So sit back, put your headphones on, crank up the dial, and journey with us this week as we take a look at the rise of punk music. I'm Shane Bryan, and this is The Beat Generation. Well, in the early 70s, the original beats had transitioned. It seemed like the Beat Generation movement was swallowed up by the hippie subculture, but the hippie clothes were eventually traded for another set and an attitude to match. The punk scene had arrived and the father of the Beats, Ginsberg, became enamoured with the intensity of the culture. In 1976, when the Sex Pistols arrived on the scene, one promoter even called them the Beat Poets of the Day. Ginsberg began recording with bands like The Clash and even started his own punk band. I have a Shelleyan Gnostic Buddhist notion, which is that the art is wild but and the insight is wild and the behavior may be wild but there's that thing called crazy wisdom which is uh breaking up an old form but as gently as possible and uh, doing it in a way that you leave space for a new form to rise or giving space for people to come out from behind their cover and uh speak more frankly so it would be like radical though i don't think it would be violently revolutionary I don't like nationalist supremacy, white or black. I don't like the knocks and the mafia marketing smack. The general bullying Congress in his sweet vest. The president building up his armies east and west. Now, I didn't promise that he was any good, but that was the whole philosophy behind the punk movement. You didn't need to be good. You just needed to show up with a message of revolution, anti-establishment and an I-don't-really-care attitude. And in 1976, there was plenty of that going around. Jaded by the decade prior, the punk movement found a voice and that voice was the Ramones. Johnny, Joey, Dee Dee and Marky. Originally getting started in 1974, it wasn't until April 76 that the first official punk recording was released. The Ramones a band from Queens with all the members sharing the same surname, even if it was just an adopted one. Inspired by Paul McCartney, who would check into hotels as Paul Ramon, the band burst on the scene and continued for 22 years touring non-stop. They influenced the other emerging punk bands and had an attitude that others admired and still do. A famous discussion between Johnny Ramone and Paul Simonon from The Clash was overheard at a Ramones gig attended by The Clash and The Sex Pistols. Johnny asked Paul if he was in a band. Paul said, well, we just rehearse. We call ourselves The Clash, but we're not good enough. To which Johnny famously replied, wait till you see us. 
We stink. We're lousy. We can't play. Just get out there and do it. And that sums up punk, the I don't care attitude. Their first song, and still their most well-known, contained a chant that to this day is heard in sporting events throughout the world. Although you may know it as, hey ho, let's go, Blitzkrieg Bop is a call to war, and that's where we're going to kick off the beat generation today and our look at the rise of punk. 1976 That was the Ramones, considered the fathers of punk. Although not a punk band, the beginnings of the punk movement may have actually started 10 years earlier with The Who, with their song, My Generation. Now, the song's style was youthful rebellion. The tone of the track alone made it a forebearer of the punk movement. The delivery was a stuttering style of anger and frustration. And then, of course, there are the lyrics, I hope I die before I get old, which has since become one of the most quoted lyrics in music history. Here with my generation from the album of the same name, The Who, on the Beat Generation. 1965. People try to put us to death. Talking about my generation. Just because we get around. Talking about my generation. Things they do look awful. Talking about my generation. Back die before I get old. Don't 
dig what we all say. same time as the Ramones emerged, an all-female punk band made their debut, The Runaways, featuring Lita Ford, Cherry Curry, and of course, one of music's greatest female artists, Joan Jett. Not a major success in the US, the band became a sensation in Japan, thanks to the smash hit, Cherry Bomb. The band would later describe their experience in Japan as akin to Beatlemania, and they sat behind ABBA, Kiss, and Led Zeppelin in popularity. The legacy of the Runaways can still be felt in the groups that the members went on to create, especially the Blackhearts and the Bengals. With their 1976 hit, Cherry Bomb, it's the Runaways on the Beat Generation. 
Well, if the Ramones were known as the fathers of punk, then Iggy Pop was the godfather. Considered a proto-punk band, the Stooges were confrontational, angry, and had no excuses for their brazen stage presence. They just were. They had arrived and Iggy had made his mark, becoming the first musician to throw himself from the stage into the crowd. And the crowd went wild. He was the wild one, and along the way, influenced punk bands like The Sex Pistols, The Smiths, Nirvana and The Red Hot Chili Peppers. In 1977, Iggy collaborated with David Bowie and produced his solo album and the song Lust for Life, which was directly linked to the beat poet William S. Burroughs and his experimental novel The Ticket That Exploded. And it received a second breath 20 years later in the movie Trainspotting. Here's the godfather of punk, Iggy Pop and Lust for Life. 1977. Sleeping on the sidewalk no more 
Well, no look at punk music can ever exist without also looking at the band that single-handedly told the UK to take their pomp ceremony and royal family and put it in the trash as they openly declared the crown fascists. Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious, Steve Jones and Paul Cook were the Sex Pistols. It was a short-lived yet memorable life with only one album ever being released. The 1977 staple record of punk rock, the punk rock bible if you like, Never mind the bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols. Now at the time, the band under the direction of Malcolm McLaren was considered offensive and the album became one of the most heavily censored records in British history. By 1978, it was all over. And a year later, Sid Vicious died of an overdose following the arrest and suspected murder of his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen. The Sex Pistols inspired so many genres, including grunge, thrash and rap. 30 years later, the band was indicted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the band members refused to attend, considering the award a joke given their reception in the 70s. If there was any band that lived in the shadow of the Who's words, die before I get old, it was the Sex Pistols. Here with their famous song, Anarchy in the UK, the Sex Pistols on the Beat Generation. 1977. 
Before punk even existed, it already had its queen. A Lower East Side poet created her own ecstatic vision and they dubbed her the Punk Poet Laureate. Releasing Horses and her own version of The Who's My Generation as a B-side to Gloria, Patti Smith went on record against the release, telling the public not to buy it because it was censored and released without a sleeve. As the popularity of punk rock grew, Patti Smith Group toured the United States and Europe. The roar sound of the group's second album, Radio Ethiopia, reflected this newfound popularity. However, at the height of the tour, Smith danced off the stage and fell into the orchestra pit, breaking her neck. Taking time to rehabilitate, Smith re-emerged in 1978 to a more rock-based sound and her most commercial album, Easter. Always a massive advocate for women's justice, her song Dancing Barefoot from her 1979 album, Wave, 
really portrays the gravity of the subject. Less punk than her previous sound, it was a representation at the time of how punk was evolving, taking a shift into more social responsibility and channeling the anger and frustration into music that was becoming more and more accepted by the mainstream. Here on The Beat Generation, Patti Smith and Dancing Barefoot. 
Why must we pray screaming? Why must not death be redefined? We shut our eyes, we stretch out our arms and whirl on a pane of glass. An asphyxiation, a fix on anything. The line of life, the limb of the tree, the hands of he, and the promise that she is blessed among women. We'll be back with more from the Beat Generation shortly and a look at the rise of punk. Hi, this is Shane. And Andrew from the Bad Boys. If you're after quality, hard-hitting journalism that matches four corners... News that'll keep the government and the people accountable for their actions... And current affairs that's more reliable than, well, a current affair... Then then that's that's not not us. us. Bad Boys Unleashed, music, entertainment, celebrity interviews... And the only original Bad Boys news that makes 60 Minutes sound like the Muppets. Join me, him and bad girl Angie for the conversation that no one wants to have, but everybody wants to hear. Bad Boys Unleashed, subscribe for free on Apple and Spotify. This is The Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as The Beat Generation. Welcome back to The Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Productions, Townsville's Triple TFM and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. I'm Shane Bryan and thanks for joining us as we continue our look at the rise of punk. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, Music That Changed the World, and our Instagram page, The Beat Generation Podcast. Around the same time as the Ramones were emerging on the scenes and the Sex Pistols were starting to get together, another band was about to become a key player in the punk scene making a self-titled debut in 1977. That band, of course, was The Clash. Led by Joe Strummer and Mick Jones, The Clash made their debut supporting the Sex Pistols and then joined a concert crawl to see the Ramones. It seemed that they had joined the inner circle of the punk scene from the very start. The secret to The Clash was their writing style. They didn't write about love like most of the bands around at the time. They wrote about what was affecting them and the issues that they were facing. Like other punk bands, and in fact any of the Beat Generation artists, they were passionate about their writings. So much so that when their famous anti-war song Rock the Cashbar was adopted by the Gulf War bomber pilots in 1991, Joe Strummer reportedly cried. With a string of massive hits, the band finally produced an album that has been hailed as their greatest ever, London's Calling, dealing with a range of social issues like social displacement, unemployment, racial conflict, drug use, It also showed the maturity of the punk scene as it started to blend the genre with rock, reggae, pop and jazz. And even the album cover paid homage to the late, great Elvis Presley's first album. With a track talking about the nuclear crisis at Three Mile Island, here is The Clash and London's Calling on The Beat Generation. 1979. Boys and girls 
Beatlemania is putting the dust London calling, see we ain't got no swing Except for the rain and the crunch of thing The ice is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in Engines stop running, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning The imitation zone Forget it brother You can go in alone London calling To the zombies of death Quit holding out And draw another breath London calling And I don't want to shout But while we were talking I saw you nodding out London calling See we ain't got no hide Except for that one With the yellowy eyes The ice Coming. The sun's zooming in, engines stuck on it, the wheat is going to a nuclear error. But I have no fear, cause London is drowning out. By 1980, the punk scene had evolved. Patti Smith and The Clash were exploring other genres. Iggy Pop was working closer with Bowie and enjoying his solo career in the indie pop rock arena. Generation X's Billy Idol started gravitating towards New Wave and Blondie, who was an accidental punk icon, became a rock sensation with songs like Heart of Glass. And of course, the poster band for the punk revolution, the Sex Pistols, was a distant memory. Punk may have been dead, but a post-punk sound was bigger than ever. Bands like the Boomtown Rats, the Talking Heads, the Violent Femmes burst onto the scene with a blend of punk and new wave that transformed the scene with hits like I Don't Like Mondays, Psycho Killer and Blister in the Sun. In the aftermath of the tragedy surrounding the Sex Pistols' Sid Vicious, John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, began to hatch a plan for a new band with Virgin Records owner Richard Branson. The result was an odd group of punk and reggae artists, Johnny Rotten, Jai Wobble, the Clash guitarist Keith Levine and an unknown Canadian student, Jim Walker. Public image later to become known as Pill. The name a direct attack at the way Malcolm McLaren had manipulated the Sex Pistols' image and in particular Lydon's image of the violent young punk. 
the band received moderate success with songs like This Is Not A Love Song and Public Image, but it was the song Rise that would become the band's most enduring track from the album called, well, Album. It also hailed the beginning of changes in what we perceived as punk and heralded the way to future sounds that were to surface in a few short years. Here is Public Image Limited and Rise on the Beat Generation. 1986. I could be wrong. I could be Feelings 
While not technically a punk band, the influences from the punk scene and the bands at the time were very evident in Nirvana. Like the Sex Pistols, Nirvana and their leader Kurt Cobain were a star that shone brightly and went out way too quickly. The impact Nirvana had, however, cut as deep as that as the Sex Pistols, giving rise to the new punk sound, Seattle Grunge. Seattle Grunge was masterminded by Butch Vig, who went on to record The Smashing Pumpkins, The Sonic Youth, and of course became drummer with Garbage. Influenced heavily by the Beat Generation's William S. Burroughs, Kurt even recorded with him prior to his tragic passing, leaving behind a legacy that not many other bands have been able to do. Without Nirvana, Foo Fighters would not have existed, featuring the incredible Dave Grohl. The band also directly influenced Green Day, Oasis, Stone Temple Pilots, Bush, and of course, Australian band Silverchair. It was their second album, Nevermind, a punk pop album that paved the way for the grunge scene to evolve. Nirvana sold over 30 million copies, making it one of the highest selling albums of all time. Seven number ones worldwide and five massive singles. Here is Nirvana with the track Lithium from Nevermind on the Beat Generation. 1991. I'm so happy because today from my friends in my head I'm so ugly That's okay Cause so are you Look on his Sunday morning Is every day For all I care I'm not scared Light my candles In our days Cause I found God
If we had to pinpoint two bands that have been influenced by punk to become worldwide music sensations, they would have to be these next two bands. And we're going to finish the show today with Blink-182, but the other band that has influenced modern punk so much is Green Day. They've taken punk, added ska, rock, reggae and even acoustic ballads to create a legacy that is featured on records, movies, television and even Broadway. Their album Dookie only sold 3,000 copies in the first week, but it has since gone on to sell over 20 million copies worldwide. One Track Basket Case is a song that deals with anxiety and social disorder that lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong was diagnosed with. Here's Green Day with Basket Case, and this is The Beat Generation. 1994. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? About nothing and everything all at once 
I am one of those melodramatic fools Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps setting up I think I'm cracking up And I'm just paranoid I'm just stuck I went to a shrink To analyze my dreams She says it's like a sex that's bringing me Rounding off this episode of the Beat Generation's look at the rise of punk is a band that emerged from the Californian punk scene that spawned post-punk outfits like The Offspring, Fallout Boy, Green Day, No Doubt, Smash Mouth, so many bands that we could have played if this episode was a double-length show. Blink-182, however, is important for setting the sound apart from the plethora of boy bands that were on the rise and spearheading the second wave of punk music and its journey into mainstream. They took the punk formula and made it radio-friendly. They were also very clever, creating clothing labels and footwear labels, as well as merchandise companies for other bands like Pearl Jam and Kanye West. And Blink-182 is where we leave the beat generation this week. Join us next week as we take a look at the rise of the new protest era. Taking us out, Blink-182 and the Ramones-inspired track, All the Small Things. I'm Shane Bryan, and this has been... The Beat Generation. 1999.